Hi there, it's Gregory Dickow, and I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast and joining me from all over the world. I especially want to thank all of our amazing partners and those who support this ministry. It means so much to me, and it's helping us to take the message around the world. I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. I know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and one step closer to the best version of yourself. Enjoy. Welcome to the Gregory Dickow Podcast. Last week, I I asked the question, what's holding you back? And um, today I want to answer that. I want to talk about the antidote to the things that mess us up, the antidote to the things that mess us up. Now, there's several things in our lives that mess up our lives as we grow, as we grow up. um, We grow up with with pain, we grow up with. Abuse, we grow up with um, wrong beliefs, wrong information. We grow up, we learn anger, we learn fear. These are the things that mess up our lives. Anger, fear, what other people have done to us, feeling sorry for ourselves, negativity, bitterness. These are the things that um, that mess that mess our lives up as we uh, as we start out our walk with God. And I want to take you to a scripture in Psalm 78, verse 41. And I want to give you the antidote and we're going to we're going to break this down. But ultimately, I want to get to the antidote to the things that mess us up. Like, what is the cure to the things that have messed up our lives? What's the cure to anger? What's the cure to fear? What's the cure to depression? What's the cure to unhappiness? What's the cure to what the abuse that you've experienced in your life? What's the cure to the gaps that are in your soul? You know, you know what a gap in your soul is. The gap is that that sense of insecurity inside of you, the 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 distance between what you should feel and what you do feel, you know, what you should feel about yourself and what you actually do feel about yourself. And that gap is what creates insecurity in our lives. So but there is an antidote to all of this. And 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 it starts in this verse. And we'll go over a few things and we'll get into this deeper, though. But in Psalm 78, verse 41, he says, yes, they turned back and they tempted God and they limited. They limited the Holy One of Israel, but they limited God. The the people of God limited God. And we asked the question last week, what's limiting you? And the things that limit God are the things that limit you. When we limit God, we limit ourselves. And yes, we can end up limiting God or preventing him from uh, or really we we limit God by limiting ourselves from receiving all that God has for us. You remember we talked about over the last several weeks of scripture out of Revelation, chapter three, verse 11. Jesus said, for I'm coming soon, I'm coming quickly. He said, hold fast to what you have. Revelation, chapter three, verse 11. He said, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown, that no one may take your crown. He says, hold fast to what you have. So this is something he's already given us. And he says so that no one will take your crown. Well, the crown here in in Scripture represents royalty. A crown represents royalty who wears crowns. But those that are in a royal position, a king, a queen, a prince, a princess, those are the people that wear crowns. Well, what has Jesus made us? 
When you got born again, he made you a king and he made you a priest and he gave you a crown of royalty. He gave you a crown of authority over the devil. He gave you a crown of authority over life. He gave you a crown of authority over yourself, authority over your emotions, authority over your fears, authority over over sickness and disease, authority over your pain. He's given us authority. But the Bible says that we got to hold on to what we have been given so that no one takes our crown. Now, in a sense, Satan can't take your crown from you, but he can take the understanding that you need and he can take the word out of your heart and he can he can get you convinced and believing that you are not who God said you are, because when you believe you're the righteousness of God, when you believe that you're the head and not the tail, when you believe you're more than a conqueror, you'll start living that way. But what the devil is trying to do is he's trying to rob you of the belief in your true identity. And that's what limits us. That's what limits us. What limits us is our is is our our belief system and the things that are in our mind that are limiting us. We need to go after those things, the belief systems and the, the wrong beliefs and the mindsets that are keeping us back from experiencing all that God has for us. Now we're going to discover this antidote to all that has messed up our lives. But I want you to see something here. You should you should look at your life. In a certain way, you should not look at your life passively where you're just sort of watching life pass you by. But you should look at your life as a search and destroy mission in which your main target is the limitations that are in your mind. What are the limitations in your mind? That should be your main target. That should be what we go after. That should be what we attack. We should be on a search and destroy mission for whatever mentalities, whatever mindsets, whatever belief systems are limiting us. We should want to remove those so that we don't limit God and we don't limit ourselves. And, you know, that scripture in Psalm 78 that I shared with you earlier in verse 41, it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. But there's other translations that say like the New American Standard translation says that they pained, they brought pain to the Holy One of Israel. So not so the word limited is also used interchangeably as the word pain. It says and they pained the Holy One of Israel. So it's the same word limited and pain. In other words, what limits you is going to cause you pain and what causes you pain is going to limit you. And so what we have to do is we have to deal with our pain and we have to deal with our limitations. And one of the and the and the cure to our pain and our limitations is what we believe. So we talked about for several um, weeks on these limiting beliefs and our refusal to let them control us and to let them limit us. So what do we talk about? We talked about refusing to let moments become mindsets. Does anybody remember that? We talked about refusing to let moments become mindsets. What does that mean? That means simply that there is something that happens in moments in our lives. There was a moment of abuse. There was a moment of a a big mistake in your life. There was a moment of a failure. There was a moment of a sin. There was a moment that something happened in your life to you or by you. But you can't allow that to create a mindset of expectation that just because you were abused doesn't mean that you should expect to be abused and that you should expect that abuse to control your life the rest of your life. Don't let a moment become a mindset. I'm not saying that whatever abuse you've endured 
is something to be to belittle or it's something to ignore. It's something to deal with. But the way you deal with it is first by refusing to let it become your mindset, refusing to let it become your identity. Don't identify with that. It happened to you, but it is not you. Don't let moments become mindsets. The second thing we talked about was don't let your circumstances dictate what you believe that Paul was in prison and yet he wrote his best letter, the book of Philippians. Well, all of the letters were the word of God that he wrote in Scripture. But in in my experience, the best one, Philippians written from prison, he didn't let his condition, he didn't let his outward circumstance dictate what he believed. In other words, even while he was in prison, he told us to rejoice. Even while he was in prison, he said, we can do all things through Christ, which strengthen up, strengthens us. Even while he was in prison, he told us that um, that our God shall supply all our need. Even while in prison, he told us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice while in prison. He wrote Philippians chapter three about righteousness. While in prison, he wrote Philippians chapter two about about humility in Philippians. While in prison, he wrote Philippians chapter one about um, about joy and about partnering in the gospel and about spreading the message and about getting it out to more people. Don't let your circumstances dictate what you believe. We also learned that we must refuse to become victims in our lives. We must refuse to become victims. What does that mean to be people that make excuses for why we stay in the condition that we're in for 38 years? That man was lame at the at the at the um, pool of Bethesda for 38 years. And what was his excuse? Nobody's here to help me. Nobody comes through for me. I've been here for years. And every time the angel stirs up the water to to bring healing, somebody else cuts in front of me. Somebody else gets ahead of me. Nobody helps me. I don't have anybody to help me. He just made excuses. He just blamed. And what, what what did that do in his life? It kept him in his current condition. It kept him imprisoned to what he believed. He believed in self-pity. He believed that there was nobody to help him. He believed in the woe is me mentality. And we must refuse to have that woe is me mentality. No matter what your situation is, everything is possible to those who believe. All things are possible to those who believe. What, what does it say in Mark chapter nine, verse twenty three? Jesus said in the God's word translation, Mark chapter nine, verse twenty three, the God's word translation, Jesus said to him, as far as possibilities go, everything is possible for the person who believes. Everything is possible for the person who believes in the message translation. It says there are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. Don't have the attitude that maybe it could happen if this happened, if this person treated me this way, if this person was better to me, if this wouldn't have happened in my life. We got to get rid of the ifs and we got to believe in the possibilities that anything can happen. All things are possible. So we need to refuse. We need to refuse to let moments become mindsets. We need to refuse to let circumstances dictate what we believe. We need to refuse to tolerate the victim mindset. We need to refuse to tolerate limiting beliefs. And today's topic, we need to refuse to to tolerate. We need to refuse. Let me put it this way. We need to refuse to remain ungrateful. We need to refuse to remain ungrateful. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter one, I want to I want to show you something there in Deuteronomy chapter one. I believe it's in verse twenty seven, Deuteronomy chapter one. Very powerful 
powerful verse. And he says in verse 27, Deuteronomy, chapter one, verse 27, he said, and you complained in your tents and you said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Now, notice their attitude. They complained in their tents. They complained in their tents. They focused on what they believe, the wrong belief. God doesn't love us. The Lord hates us. They complained in their tents. They grumbled. One translation says they grumbled in their tents. It doesn't matter just what you say in church, but what matters is what do you say at home? Are you praising God in church, but complaining at home? Are you praising God at church, but but grumbling at your job? Are you are you praising God in church, but grumbling when you get in the car? Are you praising God in church, but grumbling as soon as you walk out? You see, we need to be people that are thankful. We need to be thankful about what God has done and realize that if we learn how to tap into this power of gratitude, this power of gratefulness, this power of thankfulness. I know it may sound like a come on, pastor. It's not Thanksgiving. What are we talking about thankfulness for? Come on. You know, Thanksgiving. Well, everybody knows how to give thanks, but not everybody is thankful. You see, everybody can learn the manners and learn how to be polite and say thank you. Everybody can learn how to be polite. Everybody can learn how to be or everybody. Most people have learned how to be polite. Most people have learned how to have manners. But we're not talking about manners here. We're talking about a heart that is full of gratitude. And the only way that a heart can be I'm going to take you through the only ways that a heart can be full of gratitude. But we got to we've got to make up our mind to to deal with this this mentality. And we must refuse to remain ungrateful because gratitude is the antidote. Gratitude is the antidote to the things that mess us up. Gratitude is the antidote. I I told you we were going to talk about the antidote. What is it? What is the cure? What is the potion that is the cure to the poison? Well, the potion that is the cure to the poison of life is gratitude. Gratitude is the potion that is the cure to the poison of fear, the poison of anger, the poison of negativity, the poison of unhappiness, the poison of bitterness, the poison of self-pity, the poison of what has been done to you, thankfulness and gratitude. I'm not saying the Bible doesn't say to thank God for everything, but he says to be to give thanks in everything, in everything. There are some things we're not thankful for. I'm not thankful that somebody mistreated me. I'm I'm thankful that God can work in me something better as a result. I'm thankful that I have an opportunity to control my attitude no matter what was done to me. I'm thankful for that. And I give thanks for that. And by the way, giving thanks is the is one of the ways that we become thankful. But giving thanks is not the same as being thankful. Being thankful is being your heart being full of things that make you grateful, that cause gratitude in your life. Your heart is full of thoughts that causes you to give thanks. A lot of people, again, we, we, we learn to say thank you and we learn to give thanks as a manner and as a habit and to be polite. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the same as dwelling on all of the things that God has done for you, which will cause you to become thankful. So in other words, we don't have to try to just learn the manners. Instead, think on these things. 
think on these things. And that's what causes you to become grateful. If I could put it to you this way, I would say, well, let me just tell you, there are three things that thankfulness will actually lead to. There are many, but these the the primary three that thankfulness and gratitude, which is what I would call a gateway drug. Now, when if you know anything about drugs, they'd say, you know, people have said, well, marijuana is like a gateway drug to the harder drugs. If you start if you start using that drug, it is a gateway to start using other drugs. Well, like heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, all all of those other harder, harsher drugs. See, what's the problem with marijuana? And I'm not here to debate that because I know there's a lot of debate about that in the in the nation, about the legality and about some of the medicinal purposes of it. So I don't want to I don't want to speak for that particular topic. But I want to say in the same way that we understand that that it's been thought that that was a gateway to other drugs. I want you to know that thankfulness is a gateway. Thankfulness is is like a drug, by the way, because it influences your state of mind and it changes the way you look at things It changes your perspective and it changes the, the outcome of your life. But it's a gateway to happiness. It's a gateway to purpose and it's a gateway to the miraculous. Let me just talk about the miraculous for a moment. It thankfulness, which is gratitude for what you already have, gratitude for what God has already done is a gateway to the miraculous. Let me give you one example. Just there's many examples. Jesus gave thanks for the five loaves and two fish. First thing he did when he received it from the disciples was he gave thanks. And what what happened? It multiplied. It multiplied. It it was a gateway to the miraculous. The woman who who was um, whose husband had been whose husband had died. He was one of the prophets and a servant of the prophets. And what did what did um, what Elisha say to her? What he said? She she said to him, I need a miracle. They're going to take my sons and they're going to they're going to use them as to pay off my debts. And the prophet said to her, what do you have in your house? He didn't say, what do you need? He said, what do you have? You see, the breakthrough begins when you focus on what you already have. The breakthrough begins when you focus on what is already yours. The breakthrough begins and when you focus on what God has already done. So that's the miraculous. So thankful thankfulness is the is the gateway drug to the miraculous is the gateway drug to your purpose, which if we have time, we'll get into that. And it's the gateway drug to happiness. But I want to, but I want to say a few things before I get further into those three things or any, any further into those things, I should say. And that is this is that you can't be angry and grateful at the same time. You can't be afraid and grateful at the same time. You can't be bitter and thankful at the same time. You can't be offended and thankful at the same time. You can't be negative and thankful at the same time. In other words, one or the other, but both aren't going to be able to be possible at the same time. So if you're thankful, it is the antidote for negativity. As you're thankful, it is the antidote or the cure to bitterness. It's the cure to being offended. It's the cure to self-pity. It's the cure to anger and to fear and what's been done to us. Well, anger is very powerful, just as one example. I think it's really one of the things that we all that we've all dealt with at one time or another in our lives. You might ask, does that apply to me? And the answer is yes. Well, they did a survey 
Uh, a poll was done, a survey was done asking 10,000 men across the country if they had a problem with anger. Ninety five percent of them acknowledged that they did. Ninety five percent of them. Now, usually men are less expressive. And I'm just saying usually not as a rule, but in a lot of cases, men are men are less expressive of their emotions than women. So you would think, well, men must not be struggling with emotions, but they do. They just don't. They, they internalize them more. Women may express them more. And again, this is not to stereotype or to put everybody in a category, but um, it is common that women may exp- be able to be more articulate at expressing themselves than men are. Sometimes we we kind of grunt, we kind of hold it in, we kind of stuff it down, we kind of internalize it. And um, and yet when asked, 95 percent of the men said, yes, anger is a problem in my life and unresolved anger carries a high price tag. How high of a price tag? Well, it damages the health of the health of the person who's angry, but it also affects the health of the person to whom the anger is directed. So if if I get angry at you, then that doesn't just affect my health and cause stress and and can affect my physical and emotional well-being, but it can affect yours as well. Now, every time I come near you, you're bracing yourself for my anger. Or if there's if you have if you have anger in your home, kids don't want to go to an angry home. So they stay out and they do drugs or they stay out and they get drunk or they go out with other friends that don't make them feel that atmosphere. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that what they did was what they, that, that when kids do that, it's right. I'm not saying I'm not excusing it, but I'm tell, I'm explaining one of the reasons why people do what they do. People don't want to go to a broken home that's full, that's full of anger. Kids don't want to go there where it feels unsafe. You understand what I'm saying? Um, so it so anger doesn't just affect your health, but it affects the health of the people that you're in relationship with. And it, it affects the health of the people that you're around. It destroys vital relationships. It leads to bad decisions. It leads to destructive behavior towards yourself or towards others. That's why it's so important that we understand the antidote for it, because anger messes messed up our lives. Fear messed up our lives. Uh, The things that people have done to us messed up our lives. The mistakes we've made have messed up our lives. So what's the antidote? Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Why? Because all negative emotions come from feeling powerless. So if you feel powerless over your past, you feel guilt. If you feel powerless over your present, you feel depressed. If you feel powerless over your future, you feel afraid like there's nothing I can do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. You think about the future. And if you don't know what you don't, you don't know what you're going to do, you begin to feel afraid. You feel powerless over your future. Then you feel afraid. If you feel powerless over your present situation, it can very much depress people. And so all negative emotions are rooted in this feeling of powerlessness. And if you think about it for just a moment, the happiest place on earth was the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned. Happiness, joy, fulfillment, pleasure, enjoyed one another. They were content. They walked with God. They enjoyed his company. They enjoyed fellowship. There was so much the the the, the emotional well-being of the Garden of Eden was was uh, flawless. It was there was nothing to compare it to. It was like heaven on earth. It literally was heaven on earth. 
And, and, and what messed it up was when Adam and Eve listened to the devil, they listened to the serpent, they listened to a lie and they listened to something contrary. God said, don't eat from it. They ate. They listened to the devil. The devil said, well, God, you know, has God really said that? You know, whenever you start to question what God really said, did God really say that? Then that's when the enemy begins to be able to influence your life. When you start to question God's word, does God did God did God really pay Did Jesus really pay the full price? Am I can I really be healed? Am I really a new creature in Christ? Am I really going to go to heaven? Does God does God really keep his promise? When you start questioning all that, you're giving place to the enemy. So believe God's word. But my point is, is as soon as they adopted a different belief, as soon as they believed something other than God's word, it affected all of their life and their all of their emotions. That's when fear came into the garden. That's when depression came from this day forward. You'll have sorrow, uh, God said to them from this day forward. You're going to feel inferior from this day forward. Uh, they be, they became afraid. So there's fear and shame and and um, and inferiority and sorrow and sadness and, and depression and anger came one chapter later in Genesis chapter four. Anger manifested when Cain got angry at himself and then he took it out on his brother. All these negative emotions came from a sense of powerlessness, but they didn't start that way because why were they happy in the garden? Because God gave them dominion. God gave them power. God gave them authority over everything in life. And listen, when they lost their power, they lost their ability to manage and control how they felt. Their sense of powerlessness led to them being completely controlled by negativity and negative emotions. That's why we need to discover our power when we're born again. You have the power of a new life. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the power to forgive. You have the power of the tongue. You have the power to pray. You have the power of life and death. You have the power to let go. You have the power to say yes to God. You have the power to speak God's word. You understand you're so powerful when you understand the power that you have. That's when you're no longer depressed. When you understand the power you have, you're no longer angry. When you understand that because anger is a substitute for power, it's a false substitute. It makes you feel powerful for a moment, but it doesn't last. And it's at the expense of other people. It makes you feel powerful because you're dominating somebody. And God didn't create us to dominate people. He created us to have dominion over ourselves, to have dominion over the devil to rule and reign in life. Gratitude, people, is the antidote. Why is this so important? Because we're talking about all the things that mess us up, anger, fear. Let's talk about fear for a moment. Because thankfulness is an antidote to fear. And the way that it works is this. It's all about focus. It's all about focus. Everybody say it's all about focus. Now, the reason I say that and I want you to say it is because I want you to start focusing on this. Fear focuses on all the things that could go wrong. That's what fear does. This is what gives fear energy. This is what feeds fear. Fear focuses on all the things that could go wrong. Whereas gratitude focuses 
on all the things that have gone right. Listen, this is so important that we get a hold of this. Fear focuses on all of the things that could go wrong. Gratitude focuses on all the things that have gone right. It's all about focus. Are there some things that could go wrong? Yes. But what doesn't. But the fact that there are some things in life that could go wrong is not what creates fear. You focusing on the things that could go wrong. That's what creates fear. And there is nobody here that hasn't had a lot of things go right for you. In other words, everybody here has had a lot of things go right for you. Why? Why aren't you grateful then? It's because you're not focused on the things that have gone right for you. I bet when I said that every one of us have had many things go go right for us. I bet some of us actually thought in our head, well, I, I can't think of anything. Exactly. It's because you're learning not to think rather than learning to think. The enemy wants you to not think about what has happened to you, the good that has been done for you, the things that have gone right for you. you I mean, you just being just being here in America today. That's something that went right for you. You could be. You could be. You could be in a third world country right now. And some people may be watching right now are. God bless you guys. Um, but my point is, is that's something that went right for you and you probably had nothing to do with it. Most of you didn't have anything to do with it. You were born here. You didn't have anything. To do, but but it went right for you. Something went right for you. Something went right for you when you got saved. Somebody came along and shared the gospel with you. Somebody came along and told you about Jesus and things went right for you. Somebody came along and prayed for you and things went right for you. Somebody came along and and think about it. God created you and gave you gifts and gave you ideas and gave you inventions and gave you uh, the ability to think and the ability to learn, the ability to reason. And so you went to school and then you went to college and got a degree and you and you and you got a job that that's because something went right for you. God gave you that ability. You had an idea and you started a business. Something went right for you. God gave you that idea. But see, it's, it's all about focus. Every one of us could we there there is a list of all the things that have gone right for us, but we're not focused on that list. It's all about focus. Let me show you what I mean by that. So 10 lepers were cleansed. And in Luke, chapter 17, verse 15. Look, look here, Luke 17, let's look there if you have your Bible and you see it on the screen. In Luke 17, verse 15, 10 of them were cleansed. But when one of them saw. One of them saw, you know, we think of only one turned back and it's true. Only one gave thanks and it's true. But why did the one turn back? What made him give thanks when he saw that he was healed. He turned back when he saw that he was healed. You can't see what you're not looking at. You can't see what you're not focused on. It's what he focused on. He focused on. Whoa, look at what happened to me. And when he saw and when he stopped and when he thought about what had happened to him, it turned him around and he came and with a loud voice glorified God 
and falling at Jesus feet on his face, giving him thanks. Verse 16 says he fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. What caused him to be thankful was what he focused on. He could have focused on, well, yeah, I'm cleansed from leprosy, but I don't have a wife. I'm cleansed from leprosy, but who's going to marry me? I'm cleansed from leprosy, but look, I've been a beggar. I don't have a job. I'm cleansed from leprosy, but I don't have any money. I'm cleansed from leprosy, but I don't have any friends. Even the other nine, they took off. I'm cleansed from leprosy. (laughs) I mean, think about it. He could have thought that way. He could have focused on those things. But instead, what did he focus on? He focused on what God had done. He focused on the one thing that he could latch on to and say, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. And it may seem like a cliche, but it's all about focus. It's all about focus. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. So gratitude is the solution. It's the remedy. It's the antidote to fear, to anger, to negativity, to bitterness, to all of those things. And it is the gateway to happiness because happiness is the overflow of focusing on what God has already done for you, what has gone right for you. Happiness is the overflow of what has gone right for you. Happiness is the overflow of focusing on what God has already done. You know, even Oprah said this. She said, starting a gratitude journal and writing down five things a day for what she's grateful for was the single most powerful decision that she ever made. She said it was the single most powerful decision that she ever made. And you say, well, yeah, but is that a coincidence? I don't know. Why don't you try it? Let's see if it's tested out. Test it out. Make a list. I would make a list. I would encourage everybody to make a list. You know what keeps me going? Because life is not easy all the time. Ministry is not easy all the time. People, relationships, nothing's always easy. There's always going to be things in our lives that try to trip us up, try to slow us down, try to get us to quit. But the one thing that keeps me going is when I remember what God has done for me, when I remember how much he's forgiven me, when I remember where I would be without him, when I remember where I was when I was without him and what and and, and how he came to me. And he kept sending people across my path. Something went right that everywhere I turned, I ran into a Christian. Everywhere I turned, I ran into a scripture. Everywhere I turned, I ran into a cross. Everywhere I turned, I ran into something that God used to speak to me and to tell me and to reach me and to love me and to show me that he wasn't going to give up on me. And let me show you something. And if you go back, if you go back to that verse in uh, Psalm 78, verse 41, and when he says, and they limited the Holy One of Israel, Look at what look at why. Look at how they did that. Verse 42. They did not remember. They did not remember. You see, memory is a powerful force and they did not remember his power. They didn't remember his power and the day that he redeemed them from the enemy. Boy, if you 
if you would just focus on remembering his power, remembering what he's given you. He's given you the power of a new life. He's given you the power of his word. He's given you the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given you the power of your tongue. He's given you the power to pray. He's given you the power to prosper. He's given you the power to forgive, to forgive yourself, to forgive others. If you don't remember his power, you're limiting him. If you don't remember the day you were redeemed, you got to remember. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if it was a Tuesday. Who cares? You just got to go back in your mind to that, those, that, that season of your life. You got to go back to in your mind that season where God got a hold of you, that season where he rescued you, that season where he came to you, that season where he sent people to you. It'll make you thankful. It'll make you cry. It'll make you grateful. It'll, it'll be the antidote to negativity like nothing matters when people, what people have done to you won't matter because you're more focused on what God has done for you rather than what people have done to you. Boy, there's so much I want to say here today, but, but I pray that you're getting this. We have to stop punishing ourselves by not letting ourselves feel good. He says we don't think we deserve to feel good because too many people are suffering in the world that we can't feel good. But you have to feel good. And the way to feel good is through gratitude. If you will allow yourself to think for 15 seconds. For 15 seconds, if you would dwell on something that God has done for you, it will change how you feel. And science has proven it. Scientists have proven that gratitude and thankfulness actually releases the two chemicals in your brain the most powerful chemicals that have to do with 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 happiness and love, the dopamine and serotonin. There are the two most powerful chemicals in our brain that have to do with our positive emotions of happiness and love and thankfulness. Scientists have studied doctors have studied and found that gratitude and thankfulness actually releases these two chemicals in your brain. Now, think about it. Everything you do in life is to be happy. You get married to be happy, you get divorced to be happy. You have a kid to be happy, you get rid of your kid to be happy. I mean, everything you do, everything you do in life is to become happy. And so if since thankfulness and gratitude is what will produce it, then we might as well use the the, the one thing instead of instead of doing all these other things to try to find happiness. You think money will make you happy? No. Gratitude for what you have not how much you have, but how grateful you are for what you have. This this is what always produces happiness, purpose and the miraculous breakthrough in your life. Now, I didn't I haven't talked about purpose. I talked a little bit about the miraculous. I talked a little bit about happiness, but I do. I want you to understand it produces these chemicals. Thankfulness produces dopamine, serotonin, and people pay money for these chemicals. They will do anything for these chemicals. People do drugs for these chemicals because they're a shortcut to the pleasure center of your brain. But they widen the pleasure center, which requires more and more and more and more drugs in order to accomplish and, and to achieve the same effect. And that's why you know people that are that, that become addicted. It's not because they're evil people. It's because 
they've they discovered that there is the, the thing that they're doing that is they're addicted to. The reason they're addicted to it is because they're addicted to happiness. They're addicted to the serotonin. They're addicted to the dopamine. They're addicted to the chemical that the drug produces. They're not addicted in a sense. I'm not a doctor here, so I don't want you to take this literally. But in a sense, they're not just addicted to the actual substance the substance that they're taking, they're addicted to the effect that the substance had. I bet anybody here who's ever, you know, who's ever been uh, 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 drank a lot of alcohol, I'll bet there's nobody here that's like, oh, yeah, boy, that's the best tasting stuff I've ever had. (laughs) Most people can't stand the taste of it. But then it's like, you start moving and you start grooving and it's like, mm, I'll have another. Give me a double this time, double for my trouble. You see, what are you addicted to? You're really addicted to the effect that it had on you, not the thing itself. And what we have to wake up to is God has given us a natural drug called gratitude. God has given us a natural drug called thankfulness. And if we will take that, we will not need the other. We will lose our appetite for the other because we're already high. We're already drunk on the Holy Spirit, on the love of God, on what God has done in our lives. You see, you see, it's really simple. Refuse, refuse to remain ungrateful and you will be unlimited in your life and you will remove the limitations that you've put on God in your life. God won't be limited and you won't be limited. Well, thanks so much for listening. If this podcast has encouraged or inspired you in any way, I would love for you to share it with a friend, a family member or someone, you know, who would benefit from these messages and make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. So you never have to miss an episode. And I'd like to keep helping you cultivate your worth and fulfill God's purpose for your life. That's why this podcast exists. We're in this together. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight and your best is right ahead. God bless.